back from Dundalk and it was like we'd eaten really late we'd probably had dinner around midnight we'd all been like having wine and stuff and one of the girls was driving back it was four of us in the car and uh, Sinead just says to me right I'm going to sleep your job is to, to keep this lady awake like she hasn't been drinking everything's fine but it's just very late it's like 4am so keep her awake and I was kind of tipsy and absolutely wrecked so my the conversation I was having with her like Sinead was telling me today just listening in while she was kind of napping was me going so you're from Milan tell me about that and then after she was what kind of spaghetti did they have in Milan? <laughs> She'd be like talking for a minute. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I thought if spaghetti was like Pokemon, I thought it would be like the water type, but it would be a specific Pokemon. Jesus Christ. Now you talk for a minute. <laughs> Apparently I was just saying the weirdest shit to her. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, yeah, I... I had I had a I had a weird uh, encounter. I was God must be like fifteen sixteen years ago at this point. Yeah, I I was at a friend's house, a house party. I'm introduced to um, this gang of like I think they're Americans, uh, chat away and grand yeah. Uh, they're American or Canadian. I can't remember which. They're from that region. Yep. And um, one of my mates was was trying to like. Uh, was trying to hit on one. Yep. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll like distract the rest of them. Not in a creepy sense. Not yep. like, you know, I'll distract her and you, you know, get the chloroform. Yeah. But more just kind of like, you know, Look over here so he could like, hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I can be like, you know, I, I can engage with a group of people, no problem, and tell a story. Yeah. And then, you know, they, like he can like just chat to her and all the rest. And I was talking to this group and I was trying to, I was telling a story and one of them, I noticed about halfway through talking to them that there was like this weird mole on their temple. Right. Now I didn't, I didn't notice it at first because the way their hair fell that it kind of half covered it, but it was like a, it was a mole and it was hairy and there was like hair sticking out through their fringe. Ooh. And it distracted me to the point where I forgot the end of the story I was telling them. <laughs> and you're standing in front of like three people just talking to them, and just and like the story has just disappeared out yeah. of my out of my brain. And all I can think of now is mole. And I'm <laughs> just like an Austin Powers scene. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh god, oh god, oh god. And I'm trying to just wing the story and try and keep it going until I can remember what the fucking ending is. <laughs> My God, and I was drunk, and like this is all didn't help, and I'm just like, hmm, hmm, uh, hmm. and afterwards my mate was like, uh, I, the next day I was like, did so did you, you know, joke up and go, oh I got her number, like I'll be I'll be texting her and we'll see what happens, it's like oh fair play, and he was like, caught the end of your story, I was like, did you? I didn't. He goes, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I was like, sorry man, I tried my best here, like you know, I'm just. Not to be too self-aware, but that pretty much describes the podcast as we start talking and they just hope for the fucking best. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's a recurring pattern in my life now. I'm just kind of like, yeah, sure, sure. Fantastic. Uh, and this episode, we're talking about fan theories, fan theories that improve a piece of entertainment or are an interesting parallel side story to a piece of in, uh, entertainment. Yep. Uh, Something that accentuates it in some way. Yeah, there's a few ones here where I'm I've looked at them and gone, that obviously that's intentional. Like it's never just brought up in the actual movie, TV show, video game, but like that has to be the case. And there's a few where I look at it and go, There's no way this could ever be true, but I believe it now. This is my headcanon. This is this is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh so 
so for film, what was your film? For film, I had a couple. I had one that just was a really interesting little thing of somebody saying in the in the Shrek movies, uh, "What fairy tale is Donkey from?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. Like, it's just talking animals. It's fine." It's like, "Ah, all the other talking animals are from something. They're like the the wolf is from the Red Riding Hood. The three pigs are from yeah. the three pigs. What's he from?" And I was like, "Um, what's the theories? Uh, what's out there?" Go on. The Odyssey or the Iliad? No, the Odyssey. The, the theory is uh, you're close with the Odyssey and kind of the theory being because there's the island where the, the lotus eaters where they all get turned into pigs. Yeah. So, so I it, thought it might have been something like that because it wasn't it wasn't the pigs and pigs and asses though. Yeah, it wasn't it asses and swine? It so was the is, it was the thing. This is where you're very very close. Where people are saying Pinocchio, because in Pinocchio, when all the kids go to Pleasure Island and start smoking and drinking and basically behaving like asses, they slowly the turn into them. Yeah. And it's the same story, yeah, yeah. So that's that's like amazing to me because in the Shrek things he keeps talking about like stuff that only a human would know about. He talks about making waffles, he talks about getting wedgies, he talks about stuff and you're looking at him going, You're a donkey, you don't make waffles, you don't wear underwear. So clearly yeah. you were human at some point. I really I really like that as just something that's never brought up that the, even even people in it sometimes look at him a bit weird when he speaks and like, huh, a talking donkey. And you're like, You're in fairy tale fucking land. Why is that weird? Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's I can a- see that. Like I, the, I honestly thought it was because uh, for some reason I had it. It might have been whatever translation I read, or whatever. But like, excuse me, um, I could have sworn, or maybe I'm just thinking back on it that I'm getting it confused with Pinocchio. But I could have sworn that it, when they go to the island of the Lotus Eaters in in, in the Odyssey, it's like. It's, it's not just swine, it's swine and ass, it's asses and swine or something like it's that. It's possible in modern retellings they just use swine because eventually the people have to eat them. And I guess back yeah. in the old days, it'd be fine if people were like, well, we're just eating donkey meat. But like nowadays, people are like, why the fuck are they eating donkeys? Wouldn't they realize something's yeah. up? So it might be yeah. something like that. Um, the one, the kind of main one that I wanted to look at, and I was just looking back at clips of it, is Jurassic Park. And the idea okay. that nothing, n- in nowhere in the park were there dinosaurs. At some point, they came up, they, the Dr. Hammond is a P.T. Barnum mixed with Dr. Moreau style character, where basically they've managed to use DNA to... Complete, uh, to make completely new animals to like these strange chimera and they're just building whatever people think dinosaurs would look like like they can build whatever animals they want so they're starting with that and that explains why none of the velociraptors are the right size or have feathers or anything like that they're just saying well people think dinosaurs look like lizards so let's just make big lizards right so this is kind of like what we were talking about the other week with silencers and the fact yes. that like the films just have to keep that up now because yes. if they did it correct people would be like well that's wrong and it's really weird because Jurassic Park probably started these tropes of what dinosaurs look like. Like these big frilled creatures with the spitting the gunk. And you're like, dinosaurs don't spit shit. And it's like, yeah, but the, whoever made this weird dinosaur clearly had some cobra in there. And it was like, you can tell it was the writer sitting down saying, what's cool? Like with animals, what kind of cool shit can we put in? But then the, the theory would be that that's what the people who made the park did. They were sitting down just splicing things together saying, hey, that could be a dinosaur. That could be a dinosaur. It's that one of the theories is like, first of all, a mosquito, like DNA has a half-life that would mean that the mosquitoes would be fucking useless. The idea that you would get that many mosquitoes with that many different dinosaurs worth of blood, like they, they make a big deal about one of the mosquitoes, the idea they'd get lots of them. And also there's a scene where, uh, um, I can't remember her name, holds up a plant and says, this this species of plant has been extinct for some number of years. You're like, the dinosaurs, yeah, where did they get the plant DNA? Yeah, it was like, dinosaur, the mosquitoes weren't drinking plant DNA, what the fuck is this? So clearly they're just recreating everything. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it means that everyone they brought to the island, Dr. Grant, Jeff Goldblum's beautiful chest, everybody else, the lawyer, 
they're not bringing them there to be like kind of hey isn't this cool don't do, like do you guys want to sign off it's basically them bringing to see if they can fool the world's preeminent uh, preeminent experts in these yeah. fields even the lawyer then makes sense of like could like if these people are all convinced can we basically say we have dinosaurs uh, and the the bit that kind of clinches the theory for me that I was watching back is Hammond doing the uh, flea circus speech. He's saying to the kids, uh, you know, when I first started off, my first thing ever as an entertainer was creating a, a flea circus. We'd have the little seesaws going. We'd have the little swings and merry-go-rounds. Everyone would be saying, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone was saying, oh, mommy, can't you see the fleas? Can't you see the little fleas? And he's, of course, there were no fleas. There were no fleas at all. Like it was all, it was all fake. And then he goes on to say, and here I wanted to make something real. And you're like, mm, you're still making your flea circuses. That's what you're doing. You're still making these fake creatures. Like, we know they're already spliced. We know that even by the time you get to the, the most recent uh, fucking uh, ones, they're, they're splicing shit with sharks and dinosaurs and lizards and frogs. With the point that the Indominus Rex, somebody has said, ooh, they've clearly spliced in some human because he's so smart. Like, at that point, there's no dinosaur left. You're just splicing in whatever the fuck you want. yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that yeah, actually, that's a pretty good one. Hmm. I like that one. I, I think I'll watch it again with just that in mind, with the idea that everybody there is trying to do a fire festival and just fucking pull the wool over everyone else's eyes. <laughs> 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 Jurassic Park, the fire festival. Hey, it's all it's on a fucking island. Oh wow! <laughs> Everything okay. goes to shit very quickly. Uh, there's wow. a, you do your one, and then there's one I want to ask you about because there's one that I don't have a theory on, but I'd love to hear what your theory on it is. Well, it might come up. So there was three and two of them. I just want to quickly mention. Yeah. So one of them is we. I I don't know if we mentioned it on this or I just talked about it and linked you the video, which is that Snowpiercer is a sequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You. It's very rare in life I can say somebody fucking blows my mind with something, but you sent that on to me, and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, that's amazing. Yeah. So like for anyone who's looking for it, if if you just look up Snowpiercer Willy Wonka, and the video is by a channel called Rhino Stew. Hmm. And he does a full breakdown and analysis of like, this is, you know, this is what happened to Charlie and this is what happened to Veruca Salt and this is what yeah. happened to, you know, and, and it like, and how all those characters, so, so are, Charlie and the, the majority of them translated forward to Snowpiercer. Just in case anyone hasn't seen both Charlie and the Chocolate Factory being the kids movie from the 70s. Is that right? Uh, 60s. 60s possibly. Maybe? Where Gene Wilder plays an eccentric uh, chocolate factory owner who invites a bunch of children in. Roald Dahl classic. Based on a Roald Dahl book. Yeah, yeah Roald Dahl classic, but I didn't read it until I was like 17 or 18. I just missed it. Oh, really? I, re- I read loads of his books and I just, Chocolate Factory yeah. was just one I whiffed on. Like, But it's it's the point of this amazing, mechanical, fantastical uh, place where like you don't know what you're going to see in the next room. You like Everything's crazy and it's a, a group of children going through it and being blown away at each stage at just the sheer... Uh, wonder of the construction of this crazy thing Snowpiercer Mm -hmm. is a post-apocalyptic movie where the last remnants of humanity are all aboard a train I think we talked about this in the last episode um, where it is everybody's rattling along the entire world is frozen over but somebody has made this crazy 365 day train journey around the world with this amazing technological wonderful train Uh, and from there Go on with the with the theory. Yeah, so so Charlie Bucket becomes uh, changes his name and he becomes Wilfred because it's Wilfred Industries mm. uh, are the people who make the who run the train and it's in the train. Literally every carriage is something different. Yeah, 
and there is it, it, they talk about how they need the kids to use, to fix certain parts of the train that they adults can't reach as if they were almost built for something the size of an oompa loompa <laughs> um this. and like th- there's a guy who's like uh there's a guy is like a hitman on the train or he's an enforcer and he doesn't say anything but he's like a crack shot with a gun and the very first thing that he uh the very first time you see him kill someone it's via tv like mike tv yes and like th- like there's nearly all the characters have some sort of like uh contemporary in the other film yeah and it's it, but like both you know like snowpiercer is a fantastic film but if you've watched Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, go back and watch Snowpiercer again with that in mind. Yeah. Even, and it's just a bit odd. Like. Even the moment of everything you see in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has these big um, W's everywhere. It's all for Wonka. It's uh, Wonka Vision. Yeah. Everything is fantastic. And you see Willy Wonka creating a weird car that drives and produces all this fucking foam. He's got a weird boat. He loves these weird methods of transportation. And then immediately Snowpiercer taking place the train with the W's everywhere because it's that's... yeah. Like the 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 sig- the symbol for the thing, and you're just looking at the train, thinking every single piece of contraption on this feels like somebody grew up in that chocolate factory, just taking everything in, going, Do you know what? We're going to reach for the stars and build something really weird. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's an interesting one. Um, one of the other fan theory ones that I like is that Event Horizon is a prequel to Warhammer Forty Thousand. Oh, that was fantastic, actually. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Warhammer Forty Thousand is based on the tabletop game and is a full novel series that's been on the new york Times bestsellers list and you know has some uh, amazing talent working for it um and i'm a big fan of it and played it for decades at this point but there's in the lore uh there are hundreds of thousands of colonized planets scattered across the solar uh, across the universe mm. across the galaxy i should say and uh, mankind basically spread out and then um how they travel from place to place is via the warp so you have a warp engine which not like star trek it's what it does is it essentially cuts a hole in space you travel through a parallel dimension which is faster to travel through than normal space because it's not affected by the same laws of physics Mm -hmm. and then you come out uh at the other end um but that alternate dimension just known as the warp uh, is the home to various gods and demons pretty much all of them evil and when you go through you have to have special shields up or else they fuck with everybody on the ship some of them sometimes they'll physically manifest on the ship and kill everything or torture them or do whatever to them other times they will essentially drive the people on the ship mad and let the people themselves do it um so there's a there's something in the warhammer universe which are the guys who are the seers Yes, so there's there, there, there's um, there's uh, basically a psychic mutation starts to happen in the human race as they spread out, and it's there. There's two offshoots of it. One are the navigators who have like a third eye yep. on their forehead, but if any non-navigator looks at that eye, they die instantly. <laughs> so they have to wear this like headband because it's like it's sh- it's shining with the raw light of the the war. It drives you mad essentially. Yep. So it's like. They have to constantly have these bandanas covering them, and then you just have psychics, and they um, so I've seen, they can be I've used seen pictures to of the seers. navigate. I've seen pictures of the seers with their eyes cut out, with the idea that they just see through their 
their third eye at this point. They don't even need their own well, eyes. No, those ones, the ones that have their eyes, the eyes aren't cut out, they're burned out because the, there's this whole thing with, the, there's the God Emperor of Mankind who's right. this like um, eternal figure who uh, is like the bulwark against, he represents order. If chaos is what these gods are and demons in the warp, they're mm-hmm. known collectively as chaos. He is order. And they call him the anathema and they just, they're like, they cannot stand to be near him and that type of thing, but they're constantly trying to break into uh, our universe and fuck with everything. Um, but he needs souls to survive because he was mortally wounded. So there's a thing called a uh, soul bonding process where they bring in like a thousand, um, a thousand psychics a day, and he essentially they they're bonded onto his soul. His soul consumes theirs, mm. but the process burns their eyes out because to look on him and his radiance actually <laughs> like fucks with you, you know. Um, but anyway, there's a whole thing. So like in Event Horizon, then. There is a ship that tests uh, that is testing an experimental engine, which creates an event horizon, or a essentially a uh, the edge of a black hole, and the whole idea is that it will it folds space and travels through. But what it actually is doing is it's traveling through an alternate dimension, mm-hmm. and when it travels or a parallel dimension, and when it travels through that, everybody goes goes kind of fucking nuts. And like the, the, it's very heavily hinted that the ship is possessed and stuff like that. And possession is a big thing in Warhammer 40k. Yep. Um, if you're not familiar with the Warhammer 40k lore, the lore is quite quite good, depending on the writer. But there are some writers that have just kind of like nailed it, and it very much feels like that. The, um, I bring up the guys with their eyes burnt out because all of the artwork for 40k. Like I haven't heard this theory before, but there's so much artwork for 40k of people with eyes desiccated or burnt out like that and that is something that comes up in yes. Event Horizon there where is, he keeps seeing his dead wife with no eyes yep as yeah. if she has looked upon something which mankind is not to see yeah yeah no it's more kind of like so here's the thing I remember watching Event Horizon on video when it first came out and the bits where it would flash rapidly flash through a lot of images of basically when Sam Neill's character Dr. Weir is like showing Lawrence Fishburne's character what you know like what they're going to see and it's like do you see and he's like yeah. You know, like rapid firing these images of the crew of the rescue ship, uh, the Lewis and Clark. Like he's mm. flashing these images through their their his head, and you can actually pause that and go through it frame by frame, and they are fucked up images. Like they are severely messed up. Like members of the crew flayed, members of the crew impaled on various things. Yeah. Like they they actually shot them all. And then he just, it's like a rapid fire use of them. And like it's very much kind of like, did I even see that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah, like it, it, it's very much this whole thing of like, when you go through there, it's in, you are in hell. And the whole idea of the warp is in 40K is the warp is that parallel universe and it is, it is affected and shaped and molded by the emotions of, the sentient species in our universe. Mm. So if there, if a war happens somewhere, when you go there in the warp to the corresponding location, it is a roiling mass and it is hard to travel through. And it will, you know, like it's it. And if enough blood was spilled, a physical demon, sorry, like a demon will spawn in the warp there, Mm. will be birthed there. And that demon might be a demon of slaughter or a demon of pestilence in the case of like a plague wipes out a city or something like this. But they're, um, uh, yeah, it was just, it's, it's, it's a very kind of, 
it's a very interesting take because people always assume Warhammer 40k it happens in the year 40,000 uh, in the 41st millennium yep. and it does but the emperor is born around 6000 BC hmm. so there the whole idea is that he is like he his presence is there all the way through and there are things that happen uh, like you know going back and there's all these like flashbacks and visions yep. and it it re- describes certain events like a very they do this thing where they'll allude to certain historical or mythological events and they'll do it in such a way as to cast the emperor into it. Mm. It's like that actual that night from around that round table that was actually one of them was the emperor. Yeah, and you know like that type of thing. So and you know, it's just it's very well done. But the, the main one that I actually just wanted to point out was the Dark Knight. Right. Is that the Joker is a war veteran? I've heard that. I've heard stories before that he's a, a, a CIA interrogator or some. He's been in some sort of. Yeah, they, they, that's one of them. One of them was saying it was like he's special ops or whatever. Yeah. Like they, they're saying, most likely it's a it's a war veteran in that the knowledge of explosives, yeah. armed combat, the, the planning a heist, um, even puts being on the able to for the the kind of the gun salute kind of thing that always felt like a very military. But people always forget that they're like they take out a police squad, a police uh, SWAT team to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like that they just found the uniforms. Yeah. It's not like, oh, no, six uniforms were stolen. It's like, no, 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 no. That you find six, uh, like, heavily trained police officers tied up. And, like, you know, the, uh, and then, like, uh, the interrogation technique and how he's able to resist it. Mm. And, yeah, like, I just I thought that was a very interesting one. And they were like, maybe that's where he got the scars. Yeah, Maybe that, that was the whole thing. Like, it's this is all, like, uh, the and the obsession with chaos. Because, like, any description of combat is kind of just like of wartime combat is described as just being chaotic yeah of it making little or no sense and you know and i thought that was a very kind of interesting take on the character because normally it's like the within the batman mythos the most prevalent one is the one from the killing joke which is and the man who laughs in the killing joke which is kind of the whole thing of he was a comedian down on his luck wife was pregnant mm. needed um needed money agreed to go in on a on a what you call it on a heist with a group of guys and the day before or the day of the heist his um his wife and unborn child were killed in an accident and this drove him to the edge and then the trauma of what happens to him as the red hood mm. draw it drives him over the edge into becoming the joker so and it was just you know the like I, the, it was all very kind of like you know it's tragic and it's very much kind of mm, isn't this a shame and yeah a man you know like just the, the the cruel um the cruel hand of fate just decided to do this to him and i just i like this uh, the the newer version being more kind of like the, even the ied inside your man's stomach yeah that actually like is. all that type of stuff is very much like that's very much gorilla kind of because some it's half of it is here's what they did to us here here's what we were doing to them yeah yeah the the idea that if somebody says well why would somebody just want chaos why would somebody just burn money why would like is chaos for the sake of chaos if the point is that he's seen chaos and he wants other people to see it he's basically showing the world he's like this is what you put us through well no, like is- this so, so like taking a key resource from an area and then destroying it when uh when it could be used for other means um pitting everyday citizens against each other in horrible acts these are all what you do when you're trying to destabilize a region mm. I'm thinking so of the thing with the boats right the thing with the boats the thing with the like with the with burning them the money 
Yeah. And, you know, it's you know, like oh, it's about sending the message. And it's the that line, you know, some men just want to watch the world burn. It's like, yeah, it's not about it. Like people go, oh, my God, so random. The oh, whole so crazy. It's like, no, no, he's doing this because it fucks with people's perception. Yep. The- and it's that whole you know like he's trying to destabilize Gotham and he's trying to do it so much that it fucks with Batman yeah that if he can destabilize Batman then he can try and like he's like would Batman survive this yeah the bit where during the interrogation Batman slams his head and he goes oh never hit them in the head first makes them all fuzzy yeah and I look at him going you tell him Batman how to do his job (laughs) is that 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 kind of stuff where he just but like every time he's talking to someone it looks like he's just trying to get something out of them he's trying to just see like an, an interrogator, he gets it, just get that little bit more from them. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I like that one. So, yeah, the, the, those are the three that just kind of jumped out to me. The one I'll ask you about uh, is in Logan. There's a bit right. where Logan picks up a comic, an X Men comic, and he said, These are all just stories. Does mm-hmm. that mean that every other X Men movie is fictional in that world? Or, like, at what point is X Men real or not? Like, the or is it that it's all real and there's. Um, shit somebody had worked it out I think it's from like X-Men and X-Men 2 are the only other two that count or something like that right and, and like there's meant to be like a split at that point and they're like nope the rest of it doesn't the rest of it doesn't exist the rest <laughs> of it is fever dreams and comics and, and whatnot. that's brilliant um, because X-Men 1 was okay and X-Men 2 was good yeah, and then X Men Three went off a cliff, and they were like, "Yeah, let's pretend that didn't happen." Um, there's still, somebody pointed out something about X Men Three recently that really annoyed me. Retroactively, they're all standing in a line. They're standing in a queue waiting to get the serum that will turn off their mutant powers. Yeah, and they are surrounded by armed guards who are all armed with the same substance. Yeah. So why is there a queue? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's brilliant! He's like, yeah, yeah, we got this. Just yeah, I, I mean, literally, guard. turn yeah. to the nearest guard and ask him to just stick you with the fucking med- yeah. medicine, like. And yeah, that was funny to me recently, and I was just kind of like, ah, oh, dicks. Didn't think of that. <laughs> uh, we we very rarely on this uh, show do book uh, books, but I'll do a couple real quick because I think there's enough. There's there book uh, literature fans are as vehement if not more so about chasing down their own little head cannons compared to everyone else mm-hmm. i guess because most of it takes place in your head like you you read a book if the character looks different in the movie you're like oh it's not what i thought but uh there's there's a bunch of ones about harry potter that i quite like uh, and my favorite is that the family that look after him at the start the dursleys yeah who are really 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 horrible to him are actually completely horrible and assholes because they are a victim of Harry. He is a Horcrux. He is one of the Horcruxes. Uh, it is shown in the books that anyone who is near a Horcrux for any length of time just turns into a pissy asshole. Like Ron has one for a while for a couple of weeks and turns into a fucking insufferable idiot. Somebody else yeah. has one and turns into a brain rush prick. Uh, the idea that the Dursleys were around Harry for 10 years means that at the start, they must have at least been good enough to take him in. Like take in an orphan, yeah, and like to be, to be fair, it's not only an orphan; it's their nephew. Mm. You like, know, like it's like his mother is um, Mrs. Dursley's sister. Yeah, you know, like there's that, there, there was that line, and it's actually it was cut from the last film, and but there is the scene where 
so there's the scene in the last film where they all do take the polyjuice potions to look like mm. Harry. But there's a bit beforehand where he's basically telling the Dursleys, you have to leave. You just have to go into hiding. Go down, go to country, go, go on holiday somewhere. Just get the fuck out of here because they know that you lived here. Yeah. And as she's walking out the door, she stops and she looks at him and she's like, you didn't just lose your parents that day. I lost my sister. You're not the only victim in this. Yeah. And she just kind of looks at him and it's like, it's not like with love or anything, but she's just kind of looking at him and like almost with pity. Yeah. But also a bit of resentment in the, in the case of like, it's not all about you, shithead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was just, it, it, it's, yeah, like the, they took them in to begin with and they were probably, ah, another brother for, a brother for young fucking whatever his name Pigley. is. Never I'm going to call him Pigley. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, and then there's the you know the Fight Club Calvin and Hobbes one where no. there's a theory going around there's all of these other ones I could watch Jurassic Park and be like I could see that I could see that they were kind of hinting at that there's a theory going around that is there's no way this will ever be true but I'm going to completely do it as my headcanon is that the narrator from Fight Club is the adult version of Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes that when he was a kid he was a whiny little prick he was an impulsive kid uh, and he didn't have any friends so he started having an imaginary friend that was a cool collected taller dude who was a bit of a philosopher and right. then at some point grew out of it Calvin just decided that you know that's don't need this in my life but then as an adult the narrator who I'll call Calvin uh, just at, reaches the same point in his life and just creates a slightly more orated version of Hobbes who's this cool taller philosopher guy and there's somebody who's put together side by side all the times that Calvin has had a fight with Hobbes in the comics and his mum's like, where'd you get those bruises? And then the scenes from Fight Club where he's had a fight with Tyler. and he's yeah, fell down some stairs. He's fell down some stairs. And there's just all these things of like, uh, they both started weird secretive men's, men-only clubs. <laughs> it's just Calvin and the get rid of slimy girls. And <laughs> <laughs> fucking the narrator standing there going, the first rule of Fight Club. Uh, That's but, okay. Because I mean, I don't know if you saw there's a guy who's... Um, who can draw in Bill Watterson's style and is doing a uh, run. It's, it's not that regular. He might put out one a month, but it's yeah. like, it's. I think it's called Hobbs and Bacon. Oh, yes. Because yeah, Bacon yeah, yeah. is the kid's nickname, and it's, but it's Calvin's kid. Yeah. And um, but it's Calvin's kid, and it's, what's Hobbs, her name? Who's now back? Uh, Francis Bacon or something like that is the kid's name. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. But, 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 it's, but it's like he mar- he's married the girl who's in all the Calvin Hobbes comics. Oh, uh, not Lucy. No, I'm thinking of, of Snoopy. I can't think of it. I know. Yeah, yes. But, but, but like the pair of them are married and they have this kid and it's all the, you know, like it's basically continuing on with, the, with that. That's pretty good. So, yeah. But yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'd be a fan of that. I, I, I love Calvin Hobbes. Oh yeah, it was great. I think it's one. I think it's one of the best uh, comics ever. There's a, there is an archive up online that has all of them, and um, with actually the calendar, it because it, it ran for ten years, mm. and the calendars, uh, like when you're going through them, it, it's not like ish, ish, episode uh, strip one, strip two. What it is is the original publication date of the strip. Oh right. So it's the calendar from like mid '80s to mid '90s, mm. and you just click through them in order, like and, and read them on. And, and then the Sunday one is always the big full color one, yeah. back to the single strips. And oh, I've yeah. got I've got some of the art books there, and on one page it's all the art the dude was looking at, and then the the strips that came from it. And there's all these beautiful Japanese 
brush stroke art, like really minimalist of like mountains and clouds. And he said anytime he was drawing snow, he would just sit and stare at the page with a big paintbrush and do like a tree stump or footprints. And he tried to leave as much white as possible. And you're yeah. looking back over going, you're a fucking genius, you know that? Yeah, it's it's the outline and the footstep. Like you can see the horizon line and that's yeah. it Yeah, on a lot of them. That's and actually the last, the very last uh, strip is them going snowboard, uh, going tobogganing. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's the most white in that strip, not of any of them, but like the last scene is yeah. completely open. It kind of, uh, you know, our possibilities are endless. I think that's one of yeah. like something like that is the last line. And it's just, he's left so much white on that page. Yeah, it's, I know it's, I think it's one of the best, like it's one of the best, I know we don't, we do, we don't do comics reading, we don't do books and that, but like, I think the Calvin and Hobbes run is one of the best contained pieces of media you'll ever see. Just, mm. it's, there's no weak ones, there's no, it didn't go beyond, you know, the point where it stopped being interesting or, yeah. you know, it knew when to stop and, um, and, uh, and, you know, he did, he didn't merchandise any of it. So I'm sorry, anyone listening who has a sticker on the back of their car of Calvin pissing on a Man United shirt. That's not official merchandise, unfortunately. What? Uh, so uh, it's madness. That's good for madness. TV shows. What were your? Um, I've only one is the only one that I f- could think of or could find that was in any way interesting. Really, um, was uh, Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Walter White from Breaking Bad is oh, Malcolm from Malcolm in the Middle. No, how? Malcolm. Oh, he's no, Malcolm. Malcolm. Right. That's interesting. Incredibly intelligent, yeah. whiny, yeah. stubborn, manipulative. <laughs> right? Yeah. Life generally shitting on him until the point where he just gets mad and does something about it. Yeah. Um, uh, Malcolm's grandfather in Malcolm in the Middle is called Walter. You never know what his surname is. Well, that's brilliant. Yes, that's right. You don't, you, there is, we've done this before in an episode, you don't get their surnames. They had a, a surname in the script, but was never said. And Reese has Noname, so no name as his, yeah. as his military uh, thing. But when he joins the military, it sounds like he would give a fake name. Sorry, that, that just reminded me of another film. Just to depress anyone who's listening. Um, Finding Nemo, Nemo doesn't exist. Oh, oh no. Nemo is the Latin word for nobody. Yes, no one. Uh, finding no one. Yeah. Um, it's the the trauma of losing his entire family at the start is thing. And actually, if you watch it, the, the dad goes through the five stages of grief across the whole film. <laughs> anyway, yeah, TV, Walter White. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, like one of the theories is that like basically he goes through all that shit as a kid, which like, yes, it's set in the 90s and early 2000s but could just have easily been set in the 70s and 80s mm. there's nothing in it that really says you know this is the defined time period this has to happen in. yeah because the kids themselves the kids practically never are seen playing computer games or anything like that it's a they have a vhs player yeah and other than that it's the radio and there's never anything to kind of tie it to a specific year yeah a lot of the things they do is like roller skating and like weird little sports i think there's one video games joke that i can remember yeah uh, but it's but it's not a huge thing in it like, no and they're i, not I playing you know video games they're talking about it or something yeah and so it's 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 it kind of oh, I, I would assume unintentionally uh, has some sort of anachronistic flavor to it yeah where you know and then it's like sure so what if that was set in the 70s and 80s and then 
um he becomes uh he becomes Walter White. He adopts his grandfather's name and yeah. just fucks off to Arizona and just like no new life starting over. The there was the one weird, other one that kind of in a similar vein. Go on. Um that seventy show. Hmm. It's a moment in about mid season four. Um or is it like it's like The Simpsons. You can pick the point where the show starts to get bad. Hmm. And it's in, there's an episode in mid season four where after it the writing just starts to get meh. And there's a reference in the episode on the radio to a kid who is in a coma. Right. And then later on in that episode, Eric Foreman falls off the water tower that they all go and get stoned at and go drink right. at. And the theory is that, is that he is in the coma for the rest of the show, which is why the writing gets sloppy in places and it's why certain things just kind of fucking... So it's just synapses firing. It's just... Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like it's like my my thing, and it's not one of the ones I've picked, but it's like my my theory about uh, Tomb Raider. But yes, yeah, it's that type of deal. Uh, we talked about it before once, but there's a there's the grand unified theory of Saint Elsewhere, which is the entire Saint <laughs> Elsewhere TV show set in a hospital yeah. was revealed at the very end to actually be the imagination of an autistic kid who is staring at a snow globe with a little hospital inside it which is first of Correct. all a really weird snow globe but it explains why it's always snowing in like the, the show no matter what explains all these things but the problem was that the show had crossed over with other shows it had crossed over with like Special Victims SVU and CSI and things which in turn have crossed over with the X-Files which in turn have crossed over it's, with other it's things it's not even it's the crossover is all because of your man as well the, uh, Richard Besler's character yeah Detective Munch he's yes. just in everything so yeah it's it's him but then everybody's able to, somebody's able to put a web together of saying, well, that show crossed over with that, and that show crossed over with that. And it's like that, but it, it means it all has to be done in the, uh, the imagination of this mute child, because even the crossovers take place, have someone link back to St. Elsewhere's, which means they have to be fake. And somebody's doing the job to try and make it so that every single TV show is the fictional uh, imaginings of this child. As you do. Uh, <laughs> I'll run, I'll run through three really uh, quick ones for TV. Uh, mm-hmm. Supernatural. The body count for the, the Winchester starts to rise uh, after a particular episode in the first season called Bloody Mary, where they break yes. hundreds and hundreds of mirrors. And so the theory is that they've just cursed themselves with like years and years and years of bad luck. It's just more than one lifetime's worth of bad luck after that. Well, to be fair, they were con- they were cursed at birth because yeah. they were destined to be the vessels of the apocalypse. <laughs> so, you know... They it, broke it's... so many mirrors, it retroactively cursed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah in Sex and the City, Sarah Jessica Parker, so this is her fan theory, she thinks the other girls don't exist. She thinks it's just Carrie talking to herself because the other girls are too archetypical uh, of their own types that she's like clearly she just wants to have a good column and is like saying well Miranda so, she, this so these are the voices yeah. for her yeah okay I'd lo- that, that that's slightly better than the usual they were imagining it all along yeah. where it's a case of like it's a writer's construct yes. because she is the writer and it's like okay yeah that, that's a bit more intelligent then there's a great movie called The Voices with Ryan Reynolds it's a fantastic film yeah and there's a bit in it, everything in it is oversaturated. He's taking his, he he has a, a man with many, many mental issues. Uh, but And he's playing a character with many, many yes. mental issues. <laughs> and uh, it's shot like a Wes Anderson film. It's all very oversaturated. Lots of love, like his his uniform at the plant he works at is this beautiful, like 
uh, pastel pink. It's nearly Pepto-Abysmal pink. It's nearly obnoxious, but it's actually quite a soothing color, weirdly. And then at one point, he's not taking his medication and it shows what the world is really like and everything mm. is fucking horrible and dank and dire and grim. Uh, and his, his pink uniform looks horrible. I really, really would love to cut in a scene with like if if Sarah Jessica Parker, I know you're a listener. If you wanna if you wanna get together and do a scene, <laughs> I'd love to cut you in where like you finish off, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> uh, finish off typing, and then like it pans around a shot from the film of you sitting there with your friends, and then the camera goes behind someone, and then it just cuts to you looking a little bit more tired <laughs> with no one around you, and your apartment is fucking terrible, and you're like ah sent off to the editor, closes it, and you just sit silently in a room for three minutes. There's the there's the that's actually a theory about it's always sunny. In that nobody in a, a, a sorry, of the five main cast members in it's always sunny, only two of them physically appear the way we see on screen. The entire show is run by unreliable narrators. Yes. Um. So like, Max arms are tiny. They're yeah. not big fucking small things. Um. Sweet D does not look the way she looks. She still has her her back brace. Right. Uh, Dennis is like like proper skeevy looking. Yeah. And there's even a there's even a scene where it kind of hints at this, where um they put on a dance recital or an interpretive dance thing to um, it's for like a school reunion. Right. As a way of getting back at, you know, I'll show how far oh, we've come. Yeah. And then it cuts and they're just flailing around like idiots. Yeah. Yep. But they think they're doing amazing. But the only two, like, so the whole idea is that... Um, so Charlie and Frank, presumably. Charlie and Frank, yeah, are completely comfortable with who they are. Yeah. They know they're horrible people and they both freely admit they're horrible people, whereas the others don't. I'd even and they ar- don't have any of that kind of self-delusion. I'd even argue that Charlie probably is like a slightly more cartoonified version of himself maybe he's very like that but uh charlie day has pointed out that he's been pretty much wearing the same clothes for the entire run of the season like he's been wearing the same shoes and that's like what a cartoon character would do that's like some simpson shit of like bart simpson if bart's wearing a hat you're like why the fuck is he wearing a hat i think it's as like physically he's meant to look the same Mm. but he yeah he would normally be wearing different outfits but in his mind he's just wearing his usual yeah, because that's all he perceives. That's great. But this is the thing of that it's like the that like the entire cast is unreliable narrator. Yep, that's brilliant for twelve seasons <laughs> at this point. Uh, I love that they just none of them are Irish. It's so good. Paddy's Pub. No, there's no attempt yeah. at ever at any point of even pretending to be Irish. Yeah, uh, I was looking at some stuff from Friends. Friends, that show that no one will say that they love, but everyone's seen every episode three to four times. Yes. Uh, and the one I really like, it's actually in the show. It's never overtly, overtly said, but uh, Chandler is quite homophobic. He, you know, if somebody yes. says something about being gay, he's like, I'm not gay, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. It's like, why would you think I was gay? And everyone, everyone else seems kind of fine with it. They love messing with him a little bit. Um, but it's because his dad's a drag queen. It's because like yeah. he's he needs to be push himself so far from that. He's not dealing with it well. Like, he's not... I actually saw an article that was kind of the other spin on that was how um, how chill Joey is with all that stuff. Hmm. Because while he is a very macho guy and is meant to be from this whole, you know, like the archetypical New York Italian-American, you know, forget about it, you know, like that type of thing. He's also in like a family with like 
five or six sisters mm. and he's an actor so he just doesn't give a shit about any of that which at the time like if you think like it's nearly 20 years old yeah like that whole acceptance of uh of like gay culture he was the one who was like yeah whatever that the episodes where someone kisses joey or ross and joey fall asleep on each other and stuff like that that yeah. actually is they never even for a second he, yeah like, he doesn't give a shit he yeah, doesn't give a shit he's just like whatever really yeah um, so I think it's I think it's that actual kind of the yeah like and I think that's why that like I wouldn't be surprised if at least subconsciously they were playing it up with Chandler yeah as a contrast that's quite good actually because it's the whole thing of like them like they are the the early prototype for Turk and JD yeah yeah the the and the romance you know like yeah yeah, yeah though like Turk and JD like famously like Zach Braff and Donald Faison were best mates in real life. Mm. And the you know like the, and so a lot of their stuff was improv because it was just the pair of them being like mates and acting their arse in their hand. So there's a minute where yeah. where like JD just looks to Turk and he, like he, he there's some um, patient that they're talking to and he's like what age are you like fifty and he's like I'm seventy five and he goes God black guys have such good skin and he turns to Turk and reaches towards him as if he's about to touch <laughs> his face to touch his skin and Turk without looking slaps his hand away and I'm like they're such good friends he's done this before <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, Turk knows exactly what he's thinking there's like there's the whole thing of like um, it's like you know uh, the there's a line in one of the later seasons where um, uh, Carla comes up to JD and goes tell me my husband loves me more than he loves you and he's like yeah it's about 50-50 and she's like I'll take it and then there's a bit later where like JD turns to um, turns to Elliot and he's like Elliot I love you more than Turk and she gets all choked up and she's yeah. like oh my god <laughs> but, but like the, the Joey and Chandler thing like but in that it was more the case of like they never directly went down the route of them you know like well there, I think there was a couple of jokes about it being like oh yeah the pair of you live together these yeah but it's like no not like that like but they even get kids together in the form of the duck and the the chicken chuck and dick of course so like yeah I just I, I just sorry that was just a, like a, an interesting flip on yeah. the whole like homophobic Chandler thing of the stuff that's underlying but never said uh, I think I if every episode I watch now I'm just going to assume that Monica's on coke like she works in the restaurant industry <laughs> She's always high strung. She she lives with Rachel, who's a waitress. And Monica should have money. She works for like by the later season some really big restaurants and stuff. And she yeah. like at one point is borrowing money from her brother. She actually has no money. She has no co- when she finds out that her college fund not her college fund something some amount of money is gone and was a beach house. She's like distraught and like oh no, she can't save anything. Uh, it's clear she's just on coke. That's how that works. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. I can see that. Uh, she's do, always the energetic one as well yes and the, and the like weirdly so like is you there's bits where it cuts back to her and she's outside cleaning something that does not need cleaning like she's outside cleaning windows from the outside or something like that uh, I, on that of kind of uh, we've, we've touched upon mental illness we've touched upon some pretty weird stuff there uh, I like the idea that Winnie the Pooh was written so that each of the characters was a psychiatric disorder I like the idea that Winnie the Pooh is just ADHD. He just gets distracted constantly. He's no, it's happy. Tigger. No, no, Tigger is hyperactive and manic and has bad in- impulse control. He's just constantly right. go, go, go. Whereas Pooh can be quite relaxed doing something and just completely, like you can talk him out of his own sentence. You can change his mind halfway through. You can show him some honey. You can show him bees. You can show him a balloon. And he's completely lost whatever the fuck he was just doing. 
his attention is all over the place. Uh, Eeyore is just classically depression. He's mm-hmm. like, what's the matter? And he's like, nothing's the matter. I don't matter. And you're like, oh, fuck's sake, Eeyore. Come on, man. <laughs> it's draining to talk to him. Yeah. yeah. And Piglet, um, Piglet is just general anxiety disorder. Like, if you look through all the episodes, it's like Piglet is scared of a giant beast. Piglet is scared of this. Piglet is scared. Like, all the episode names is Piglet is scared of, you know, X, Y, or Z, a big owl. Like, you fucking know owl. You've talked to owl. Owl's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, to the point of like people are putting this stuff on them afterwards, I'm like, no, no, the guy who was writing it wrote them like that. And presumably Christopher Robbins just schizophrenic. And again, we're back to Ryan Reynolds with voices, just giving them all fucking different voices in the in his head. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. That's me for TV shows. I mean, games. Games, lots of Nintendo stuff. Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo seems to be like the masters of this. Yeah. Some of it has to be the fact that it's just translation issues between cultures although I, mm. Nintendo stuff has been going for so long and it's so weird I doubt it even Japanese people are 100% know what's going on yeah probably probably the, the biggest one from them was Smash Brothers they're all toys yeah which I guess is confirmed so it was confirmed but it wasn't confirmed until like two or three games in yeah, initially was it was just this whole thing of like but these are all to- toys right like because there's no reason why they'd all be together otherwise. And it's yeah. like, yeah, eventually, eventually they said yes. Um, but even in the early the incarnations, other- the, the things you fight at the end of the last bosses are the hands. Yes. So it's it's you, the creator, that they're finally rising up against. Although in the most recent ones, they're like fighting against the power of light and the power of darkness. Yeah. And you're like, what happened to the hands? Weren't, you're like kind of now it's the, the other side. You're like, weren't these toys at one point? Yeah. Um, portal. Yeah. The, ca- the companion cubes have people inside them. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. When you... When you... Uh, so... When you're issued with a companion cube, you're told not to listen to it if it talks to you. Yep. Um, when you first incinerate a companion cube, you get the achievement fratricide. <laughs> um, and there's... Uh, th- th- was GLaDOS said something in Portal 2 about there being like they're, yes they're all different but we have lots of them or something like this yeah um, that was one of, an interesting um, Minecraft the planet that you're on in Minecraft was once a star go on so the sun and moon are always directly opposite each other okay right and the, but the constellations never change which means physically everything in the solar system rotates around the planet Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that would work. Although, how do they rotate uh, if, the, if the world is an infinite plane? Mm, um, <laughs> anyway. and um, <laughs> Breezing past that. And pro- probably my favourite one, because I get to do it before you do. Silent Hill 2. Okay. <laughs> Am I stealing one of yours? Yeah, you go on. <laughs> no, do you, you, do you legitimately have this down as one of yours? I, it depends which Silent Hill 2 one you're going to do, but go on. The water ending? Yes. That's the true ending? Yeah. Yeah. Because Mary is in the trunk all along? Yes. It's, it's Stan by Eminem. You, well, yeah. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it, it's the, but it's the line that he says of, like, despite all the flashbacks, he, he never sees her. Yes. Because he's repressed part of the whole of, like, what happened. And then when he finally admits that and realizes that he was the one who killed her. And then he like gets in the car and drives into the water so we can be together always. So is she alive or dead at that point? In She's your... dead. She is dead. But the, corpse is, but the corpse is in the trunk. 
Yeah, because he he also brought the corpse with her because she always had the wish to go back to Silent Hill. Yeah, back to the special place. There is actually another ending in which he tries to resurrect her, but he ha- it's hinted that he has access to the body. So yeah. in the in water ending, he's driven her. They're they're both in the water. He's brought her back to the special place, and they're there together forever. But the the dark the one you can only get on a, an extra playthrough where he tries to resurrect her and it's it's not shown whether it goes well or not is just there's a point where he's walking carrying a body and you're like so he just had that yeah <laughs> what the yeah. fuck though though we all know the true ending is it was aliens all along it was aliens or dogs or dog or aliens dogs. all along dog, yeah d- dogs. You've, Sorry. you've just pointed out to me that uh you could probably play through silent hill 2 and watch finding nemo at the same time and it's about a father looking for somebody who is not there anymore and uh-huh. there is no chance that he's ever going to find him. so there you go finding nemo and silent hill are in the same universe that is the fan theory that has come from this that, that, that we that we have just yes yes um, or your own game ones <laughs> uh for the back to nintendo ones uh there's one that i really really think should just be confirmed like they it's a pokemon one but for, as a very quick one, I'm convinced Yoshi is a Pokemon because he hatches from what is essentially a Pokemon egg and he just says yeah, his own like name. It looks like a Togepi egg. It looks like a Togepi egg and he just says his own name. Yoshi, nom, nom, Yoshi. Yeah. Like, so that wasn't you. a sound effect for anyone listening. That is Johnny. <laughs> uh, but the, the one that should just be confirmed is that Ditto is a failed Mew clone because Mewtwo is a clone of Mew, the ultimate Pokemon in the original... Yeah. series the original generation uh if you look at ditto and mew next to each other they have the same sprite colors ditto's much more purple than mew's kind of purpley pink and the shiny mm-hmm. version of both of them they both go bright blue they're both exactly the same so the color scheme is the same they have exactly the same weight in the polka they're like 8 kg or something but they're both exact or 8.1 it's something specific mm-hmm. um and they're the only two pokemon that have transform as their like level zero move so there's so many similarities with them um in the movie they say that Mewtwo is the only successful clone which means that they were probably trying to do it for a while in red and blue <laughs> sorry i'm just picturing the scene from alien resurrection but it's a load of diddles <laughs> in the tights it's a load it's yeah <laughs> these skeletal creatures with one cat hair and a rudimentary tail <laughs> it is like it's like Ernie weaver with Mewtwo. <laughs> The Meowth voice. Oh, God. <laughs> Kill me. Oh, no. Go on, carry on. Carry on. Uh, in red and blue, you can get dittos in a bunch of different places. But in yellow, the only places you can find uh, Mew, or the only place you can find ditto is in the Pokemon Mansion, which is where Mewtwo was cloned. You can see the, the vats, and there are multiple vats. There's actually six vats. And that's one of the places you can find ditto. And the other place is in the cave where literally Mewtwo lives. So they are absolutely connected. Uh, and the, the guys the guys in the Pokemon company and the guys in Nintendo have been asked about that. And they're always like, oh, first time hearing that theory. Yeah, it's probably like each, each Pokemon is unique. It's its own thing. And you're like, no, they're fucking not. One of them is a fanboy of Pikachu wearing a Pikachu mask. Like, they're not their own thing. They relate to each other. That one, though, Trubbish or whatever it is. Is that it? Is that the one? The one yeah. that's like that looks like it's it's Pikachu. It's a discarded Pokemon toy, yeah. Yeah, well, like yeah, it's it's basically it's it, the whole thing is that it's um, it feels bad about how it looks, uh-huh. and it wants people to like it, so it dresses as Pikachu because everyone likes Pikachu. 
But there you go. Then they relate to each other. Yeah, but the, but but the um, I honestly thought you, when you said Pokemon, I thought you were going to go with either Mister Mime is Ash's dad. Amazing. All right, I never heard that one. Um, if you go back and you watch the series, his mom is there, but his dad isn't. Yeah. But there's a Mister Mime in the house who helps yeah. her home with chores and That's stuff. Right. Shit. And like that, like I I can't remember if it's in the I think it's in one of the films or in the com or in the tv series but there's a point where he comes along and mr mime is just sitting there reading the newspaper <laughs> like at the kitchen table yeah <laughs> like proper like morning son but he's just <laughs> looking at the paper and he just looks at him and goes back to reading the newspaper or the other one was the um <laughs> the uh and i'm sorry and that's why ash will be the very best like no one ever was is because he's half pokemon but then the other one is that um uh it's actually a post-apocalyptic game and it's set after a great war right that would because make sense because there is which is why there's so many kids and so few grown-ups right and why the kids are just kind of left to their own devices yeah. why the land feels so sparsely populated and why um there's one of the gym leaders in one of the recent games when you're fighting him he goes on about how He's an electric type, uh, he's an electric gym leader. And he's like, oh, this electric Pokemon saved my life during the war. Hmm. So, like, there was that, very recently a war. A war. Uh, uh, I, yeah. I like the idea that, like, again, when you base, if you do it to the real, if you map it to the real world, it'd be like getting the 10 year old, here's your pet rat. Don't come back till you've defeated 10 people in a fight. <laughs> it's like, all right. He's like, that might take me years. Yep, go for it. The idea that it's just like, Hey, we kind of can't feed you, so you need to go out and fucking prove yourself in this dog eat dog or Arcanine eat Arcanine world. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's an odd one. But I honestly thought you were gonna go that route. No, um, I, hadn't, I hadn't even heard the Mister Mime one. That is unsettling to the point of uh, to the point of nausea. I'm not particularly happy with that. The, he does, Ash does get electrocuted a lot and is completely fine. That does seem like some Pokemon genes are in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, hang on. What type is Mr. Mime? Is a psychic fairy type Pokemon. But yeah, anyway, no, we're, get, we're getting too far down the rabbit hole on that one. I think. <laughs> um, Speaking of Always Sunny, you can't see, but behind me, it's just the murder wall of all these different newspapers and stuff. All these pictures of, of Mr. Mime and Togepi and just what does it mean? <laughs> Yoshi, question mark, question mark, question mark. Red string everywhere. Yeah, sorry. It was in Pokemon and Sun and Moon. There's like, and it, you can see the exact moment when Ash realizes that Mr. Mime is his father. So, um, <laughs> so there's one theory that Professor Oak is his dad. That would make sense. From a big oak comes a little ash tree. Yeah. Yeah. But, so there's Sorry, a... Well, while we're on it, Ray, who, if you're listening, who just realized that catch him means, like, catch him all. Fuck you, Ray. That would took far too long. <laughs> Why doesn't Ash age? We know a great deal of time has passed since... This is from the, the yeah. Reddit post about it. We know a great deal of time has passed since Ash and Pichu's, Pichu, Pichu, Pikachu, can't say Pikachu, yeah, Pikachu started their journey together because Ash talks about this time every now and again, but we mm. still never see him age. I think Mr. Mime Theory explains this. Pokemon don't age, they evolve, but they more or less assume the same form unless they have evolved. If Ash's mother and Mr. Mime were to have hooked up either due to a failed relationship or just or her just loving Mr. Mime, uh, Ash could have turned out as a Pokemon-human hybrid. And it could entirely be possible that this, this hybrid could work, seeing as Mr. Mime is already very close to being human. 
in appearance <laughs> at least. Um, knowing that Ash himself doesn't really do any fighting of his own, only with Pokemon, we say to assume that he hasn't done anything that warrants him evolving. Um, but yeah, there's good. actually there's a shot from. We've already seen that Pokemon and humans can switch brains and like switch bodies and stuff like that. So there must be some genetic compatibility. But like, there's the current, the current, um, uh, what series. you call it? The the current series. There's a point where he goes on holiday, right? Yeah. Uh, or like he goes somewhere, and his mom is on holidays by the pool with Mister Mime. And Mr. Mime's wearing like a Hawaiian shirt and has like a camera hanging around his neck. So that's his dad. And and, and they're like sunbathing and stuff. That is horrifying. The, then I'm going to completely backwards retro engineer it that every time he gets hit with something, he's putting up mini psychic barriers to make sure he doesn't actually get destroyed. It's 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 a um Yeah, no. And but like there's even a clip in in the cartoon series where she makes Mr. Mime, uh, she makes all the Pokemon eat their food out of a bowl sitting on the floor, including Mr. Mime. So that's some weird sub dog oh, shit no. going on there. Like, yeah. That's. <laughs> oh, I, I put around a link to it, but the, speaking of weird sub dom shit and weird, like, it, like, just acting fucking weird, the new Mario, or new Mickey Mouse Walt Disney shorts, they're out online. They're officially. <laughs> the Nightmare Fuel? Yeah, the Nightmare Fuel ones. There's one where Goofy pretends to be Pluto because he wants to get doggy treats and everything like that. But they're both dogs. One of them just happens to be mute and is made to go naked and crawl on the ground. And the other one is like Goofy and gets to walk around. And it's so weird seeing Goofy pretend to be Pluto and like talk to Pluto going, this is great. We get to lie on the ground and just act the bollocks. And Pluto keeps looking at him going, what the fuck are you doing, man? Are you making fun of me? I already have a horrible life. Weird. Weird stuff. Um, Have you any other game fan theories? No, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it for me as well. It's uh, like it's just it's an odd rabbit hole to go down We've when you're looking at stuff, stuff like yeah. Uh, yeah. If anybody else out there has some weird stuff that they want to jump on on any of the ones we've talked about, or if you just want to keep feeding me Silent Hill theories, I will just eat them all day. Please give us a shout on social media. Give us a shout on Facebook. Uh, give us a shout on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, fire this at friends if you think that they're gonna be interested in all of if you want us to basically ruin Pokemon and finding Nemo for you <laughs> fire this at some people and be like hey yeah you'll like this I had to listen to this so now you do as well <laughs> yeah this episode is now the video from the ring please uh, subject it to someone else <laughs> alright all with right. that in mind cheers all thanks many guys take it easy have fun